Hi, my name is Aaron. It's good to be with you today. I'm happy to share God's word with you. Please take out your Bibles and a pen and paper so we can take notes. Well, this is the last sermon that I'm going to be preaching to the high school seniors. You're going to be moving into the adult worship, and I'm a little bit sad about that, but I'm excited and happy to see how God continues to grow you physically and spiritually. Um, I want to tell you that life is full of surprises. Life is full of surprises. I was thinking recently about how there are some people that I thought would never become Christians. I couldn't believe that they would believe. And today in John, we're going to be talking about belief and unbelief. Uh, next slide, please. We're at the end of Jesus's ministry to the Jewish crowds. And before Jesus focuses his attention on his disciples, he's going to deliver his last words to the Jewish leaders. This is John's, John, the person who's writing this book. This is John's final kind of vignette of Jesus and the Jews. So this is Jesus's final words. Jesus has been ministering to these people for a really long time. And this is what it comes down to. These are Jesus's last words to the Jewish leaders. What John does in our passage today is that he compares the hearts of the Jews with the heart of Jesus. And when I say heart, I don't mean like your physical cardiac heart. I'm talking about our innermost person. I'm talking about who we are on the inside. We're going to see these two hearts. We're going to compare and contrast them. And we're going to see how they are disturbingly different. Next slide, please. The first heart that we're going to see today is the hardened hearts of the Jews. So you can write that down. The hardened hearts of the Jews. Next slide, please, and let's read this together. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. So John, in our passage today, he begins with an ominous tone. He says that Jesus hid himself. He departed. And this is talking about Jesus physically hiding, but it's talking on a deeper level of how Jesus can hide himself spiritually from people. It's a spiritual level that we're talking about, not allowing the Jewish people to see him. And John shows us the hearts of the Jews by sharing, by sharing what Isaiah had prophesied back in the Old Testament. He does this to show that we should not be surprised by what's going on between Jesus and the Jews. God is sovereign over salvation all the way down to the heart level. Next slide, please. 
this first one. It says, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, so now interestingly, interestingly, this statement, this statement appears in Romans and Isaiah. So what I did was I drew a line right there to show you that our verse is the first one. And the second and third verse, those are being referenced in here. Okay, and so let me, let me read this to you. The context of this, this one in Romans, let's read it. It says, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So the context of Romans is in regards to the obedience of the Jewish people. Romans links obedience with belief, obedience and belief. Even though they heard the gospel, they didn't obey it. And because they didn't obey it, that means they did not believe it. So hearing the gospel, but not obeying it, actually means that you don't believe it. Let's look at Isaiah, this, this third one down here. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now the context of Isaiah 53, which is this passage I read here, the context of Isaiah 53 is the suffering servant. This is a famous passage about how God would send a savior. Isaiah furthers that the arm of the Lord is God's power, God's glorious strength, and his might in action. This points to Jesus and how he did so many miracles. It definitely points to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That was Jesus's previous miracle before our passage today. And the Jewish people, they still did not believe it. Glory was right in front of their eyes, but they couldn't see it. They were unable to believe. Um, back to our main text. Next slide, please. John, John gives us another passage to show us the hearts of the Jews. It says, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. So John gives us another passage in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah when he was preaching had a peculiar effect on the people. His preaching hardened the hearts of these people. And maybe it wasn't his preaching. Maybe it was God's sovereign hand. God was purposefully hardening the hearts of the people that Isaiah was preaching to. Here's the reference. And I want you to see how God is hardening the hearts. It says, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. John makes it clear that the Jews could not believe. And did you notice John's word choice? He went from these Jewish people, they would not believe, to they could not believe. Why, why is that? Why did John say they would not believe to they could not believe? And the answer is because of their hard hearts. The Jews were unable to see Jesus as God. They were unable to see his glory. Now, this is interesting because Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6 is this famous passage about God seated on the throne and the train of his temple fills the whole room with glory. It's this, it's this huge, humongous picture of Isaiah's vision of, the God, of God. It's one of the most glorious visions of God in the Bible. And the Jews could not grasp 
his glory. Jesus already knew this, that it takes an act of God to change the hearts of man. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's John 6, 44. And just like the Jews, we too are unable to save ourselves unless God first shows us himself. God alone is sovereign over salvation. Now, John adds something else to the end of this first section of our passage. Um, He talks about how the Jews feared man and how they craved the praise of man. Let's see this. Next slide, please. It says, nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of man more than the glory that comes from God. So Isaiah Isaiah saw God's glory. The Jews couldn't see it. They were staring right at the face of Jesus, and they couldn't see God's glory. And John tells us why, another reason why. He says it's because they, in their hearts, they fear man, and they crave man's praise. This is where we need to pause, and we need to stop, and we need to think about John's words. These Jews believed in Jesus, okay? They did, at least on a head level, they believed in Jesus. They, they saw him, they saw his miracles, they heard his teaching, but they didn't believe it in their hearts. This revealed them to be unsaved because their lives were not changed. Remember, I said belief is tied to obedience. The fear of man and craving man's praise tells us a lot about our hearts. Do we aspire to appear as popular in the eyes of the world? Do we hide or back down from our convictions when it comes to the truth of God's word? Are we afraid of cancel culture and what will happen to our reputation if we find out, if people find out what we believe about Jesus? The savior of the world, the one who suffered for us, the one who is sanctifying us right now, he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. That's Romans 1.16. So you confess with your mouth, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The Jews were unable to do that. We need to consider John's words. In our first section, we see the hearts of the Jews They reveal the reasons that they reject Christ. And as prophesied by Isaiah in the Old Testament, God has hardened their hearts and he has blinded their eyes so that they could not see Jesus as God. Their fear of man and craving man's praise shows us their pride. God is sovereign over salvation. Only he can soften our hearts and open our eyes to see him. We're going to move on to our second point. Next slide, please. Our second one is... The heavenly heart of Jesus. The heavenly heart of Jesus. And we're going to read the passage together. Next slide, please. It says, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So now we compare the hearts of the Jews, the hardened hearts of the Jews to the heavenly heart of Jesus. Jesus come back to the big ideas of his ministry. He's coming back to these words that he's used before. He talks about believing and seeing. He states that belief in him is belief in God. He says that seeing Jesus means that you actually are able to see God. He's making himself one with the Father equal to God, something that he's been doing this entire time. And he, he uses this famous theme of light. Remember, Jesus always compares himself to light. And he says that he's the light of the world and that whoever believes in him, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. They won't remain in darkness. And then he says something bizarre. He says something strange. He says that he did not come to judge the world, but he came to save the world. Okay, li listen to that again. He says that he did not come to judge the world, but he came to save the world. So how is that possible? Because if you came to save people, doesn't that mean that there's some people that aren't saved? Doesn't that mean that those people are being judged? I want to thank Pastor Hanley, because Pastor Hanley helped me use this word. He, 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 he gave me this choice word of, of heaven. He said that, we see Jesus' heavenly heart. And what's happening here is that Jesus is appealing to his hearers with heavenly authority, with authority that comes from God on high. Jesus is inviting people. He's inviting people, but also showing them the consequences of what will happen if they reject him. And so this is how it works. This is how it works that Jesus is able to say that I came to save the world, not to judge the world. This works when you realize that God the Father is the one that is sending Jesus the Son. God is sending Jesus the Son. It wasn't forced. It wasn't a forced sending. It was agreed upon before the foundation of the world that the Son of God would come to save sinners. It's our sin that condemns us. We're under a death sentence. We're destined for destruction. But God is sovereign over salvation and he knew that we needed to be rescued, not from Caesar, but from our sin. John 3.16 is a famous passage. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But we forget about John 3.17. Next slide, please. This is John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So it's fair. It's fair to say that Jesus came to save the world. This is the heart, the heavenly heart of Jesus, that he would come into the world to save sinners. God entered the cosmos. He put on flesh. He became man to bring you safe passage, to bring you back to health. Jesus remains gentle and lowly. And he says that if you reject him, if you do not receive his words, you have a judge. And that judge is not Jesus right now. Your judge is God the Father for rejecting the one whom he sent. God will say, did I not send Jesus to you? Did he not speak the truth to you in love? Jesus was not speaking for himself. He was speaking with authority that came on high from God the Father, and he was speaking God's message to the people. 
You know, a lot of people will say that they believe in God, but they won't say anything about Jesus. They say that, oh, I know God, but I, I don't know. I don't know about Jesus. This is a contradiction. It doesn't make any sense. The Bible is crystal clear that if you know God, and if you love God, and if you follow God, then you also know love and follow Jesus. They go together. If you would listen to Jesus's words, you would recognize that they're not his words. They're God's words, and they come of God's authority. So what God says, his commandments, it's a matter of eternal life and death. Jesus is simply saying what God the Father had told him to say. Do you see the difference between the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Jews? On one hand, on one hand, you have the Jews who are only looking out for themselves. They crave the praise of man. They fear man. But then you have Jesus. You have Jesus on this side that doesn't fear man at all, but he fears God. He loves God, and he seeks to do the will of the one who sent him. He lives for commendation from God. He lives to please his Father, and he humbles himself. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Unlike the Jewish people, Jesus is a true son of God, wanting to do the will of his father. And he does not do this begrudgingly, but he does it with joy. He is happy to obey his father. And as Jesus' disciples, we too can obey God. Not in spite of God, and we don't have to do it begrudgingly, but we can truly obey God in joy. Look at how Jesus lives for God. Next slide, please. He says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus is here to do the will of his Father, to trust and obey God's plan for his life. Where have you found it hard to obey God? Is there a sin that you need to confess and repent of? Are you angry or bitter? Are you jealous or envious? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is God calling you to be kind or caring to someone in need? Obeying Jesus when it's hard, it really takes a change of heart. It feels like a burden and it's going to humble you, the world will tell you that you're weak. But when you submit to God, when you submit to his will, you'll find that the work of Jesus, the work that Jesus has for you, is not hard, it's not heavy, it's light. See how Jesus was secure in his identity as the Son of God in the same way? Find rest from chasing popularity and fame and fortune. Consider the cross. See your salvation. Remember the riches of grace that we have in Jesus Christ. By the strength of the Holy Spirit, you too can obey God with joy because of what we have in Jesus. It's never, it's never too late to trust and obey. In our second section, we see the heavenly heart of Jesus. He lives to do his Father's will. He focuses on both those who believe in him and those who reject him. But his love for the Father, the desire to do God's will, and wanting to give God glory, it shows his humble heart. And he knows that only God is sovereign over salvation. Only God can open blind eyes and soften hard hearts. Those who believe receive salvation, and those who reject him receive judgment. Next slide, please. When we weigh... When we weigh 
the hearts of the Jews against the hearts of Jesus. Next slide, please. We see, we see a couple of things, okay? We see first where the Jewish leaders fall short. We see that their hearts hated their Messiah. They would not see their Savior. They could not see their King. God had blinded their eyes and hardened hearts. They would crucify the Son of God. And through this, through his crucifixion and his death and resurrection, Jesus would save the world. God would prove himself to be sovereign over salvation. All glory will go to God. And this is our big idea. Next slide, please. This is our big idea. God, God gives the ability to see and to believe that Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? God gives the ability to see and believe in Jesus who came to save the world. This is our big idea. God gives the ability to see and believe in Jesus who came to save the world. Jesus came to save the world, and he does this by his sacrifice on the cross. He saves the world by his suffering. And just like what Isaiah saw, this is a glorious, a glorious vision. It's a glorious thing for Christians. The cross is not humiliating, but the cross is exalting. The cross of Christ is the power of God. Next slide, please. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Unlike Israel, if you see and believe this, that Jesus came to save the world on the cross for our sins, you become the real and the true children of God. Honestly, this is the real application of the text that you would believe. Now we have a problem. Because of faith, belief in God is something that God does. How can I tell you that's our application? Oh, you just need to believe. But remember, I just told you, God's the one that opens your eyes, and God's the one that softens our hearts. So how can I stand up here and tell you, oh, just believe. You need to believe. You need to believe in Jesus. How does that work? Or I can tell you to do it, but we just understood that it's God who controls it. We have a problem. And I think that the Apostle Paul can help us. I think he can give us some advice. Next slide, please. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. And so what do you do with a gift? What do you do with a gift? You receive it. You take it. You show some sort of response to the gift. And these are, these are just words, okay? These are just words to illustrate spiritual reality, to illustrate what, what's, what's really happening. God gives, or he gifts, us the ability to see and believe. And so what we need to do to use these words is that you need to trust, you need to accept, you need to believe. Or to put it another way, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. And remember, you contribute nothing to your spiritual birth. You just come out. You can forth. 
you live. I do want to make two very specific applications for those of us who do already believe. Generally, um, they are to check for a hardened heart and they are to watch the reasons why you serve. I'm going to personalize them for the youth ministry here at FCBC Walnut, um, but you need to take the principles and you need to apply them to your own life even after this sermon. You can think about these applications as looking back in time and also looking forward in time. So next slide, please. These are the applications for those who believe. Check for a heart and heart and watch the reasons why you serve. Let's look back at youth retreat. Let's look back at youth retreat. You can even look back at your missions trip, but, but let's look back for a second. It's easy for our hearts to become like the Jews, for our hearts to become hardened. Remember, the Jews were looking for God in all the wrong ways. You might live your life chasing after the same spiritual highs that you felt at retreat or at the missions trip. And you need to remember that life is not lived in the mountains on the high points in life, but our life is lived here in the valleys, sometimes in the low points in life. We're back here on the ground. Don't allow your heart to be hardened when the world comes back at you and when you go back to school. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. There are times when you will feel that you can't see Jesus anymore. And I want to tell you that you can find him. You can truly find him. You can truly see Jesus here in the fellowship that we have in Friday nights, in the glories that we see in God's word as we meet on Sunday mornings. Learn to see Jesus Christ seven days a week, seeking him in prayer, searching his word. Be tenderhearted and humble. See Jesus now. And always check for our heart and heart. Next, let's look forward to Summer Spark or this VBS activity that we have going on this week. It's easy for our hearts to become like that of the Pharisees, to serve because we want to look good and we want to receive the praise of man. Or we serve because we're scared to miss out. Or we serve because we want to get recommendations on our college apps. It's all serving for the wrong reasons. The heart of Jesus is to please God the Father. And we can do this by serving with the strength that God supplies and showing these children that will come. We can show them Jesus. We can share the gospel with them. You've already seen the glory of God, so give the children the good news. Don't serve for yourself. Give them Jesus, watch the reasons why you serve. Don't serve for selfish reasons, but serve for the glory of God and the good of others. Jesus came to save the world, and God gives the ability to see and believe. Seniors and all of my brothers and sisters here today, life is full of surprises. I thought that there were some people in this world that, that would never be saved, and I was surprised I, I never could believe that they would believe. But after thinking about this and hearing God's word and studying it for myself, I think that maybe I shouldn't be surprised after all. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, right? It's God who softens our hearts and who opens our eyes. Didn't Jesus come to save the world? I shouldn't be surprised. And maybe more importantly, 
I should humble myself with gratitude before God that he would save a sinner like me and that he would cause me to see and believe in him. And I pray for those who remain in their unbelief, that God would give them the ability to see and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to this world to save us from our sin. If the Jews really knew what Isaiah was talking about, they could have caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus back in Isaiah. These Jews, they were looking for for the glory that's found in Isaiah 6. They were looking for the glory of God seated on the throne and the train of his robe filling the temple. But what they should have been looking for was for Jesus, for God, that's revealed in Isaiah 53. On this side of the cross, we can see Jesus as he is. You need a broken and a contrite heart to see him this way. He's sovereign in sorrow. His strength, it comes in weakness. He's a suffering servant. Next slide, please. And let's read this together. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This is the last sermon that I have for the seniors, so this might be the last time that you hear from me. But this doesn't have to be the last time that you hear from Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold him, and you will see his glory. Glory as the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be grateful. The world you came to save by Jesus Christ, the love of God. It's all by grace through faith. Please soften stony hearts and open blinded eyes to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, our sinless sacrifice. And as we fight the battle, we share and shine the light of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, our hope, eternal life. There's glory to be seen. There's glory to be heard. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the true and living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.